The case study houses themselves are a very interesting and important chapter in the history of, of modern architecture in the 20th century. They are specific to Los Angeles and they're specific to a, a particular um, time as well as place in that they were conceived in the aftermath of World War II. And they were the brainchild of an editor of a magazine called Arts and Architecture that was published out of Los Angeles and had become a kind of progressive voice for all things modern. Art, architecture, design, literature, music, etc., and even progressive politics. Welcome to today's episode of the Mid-Century Books podcast. I'm your host, Heather Barrow, resident curator at midcenturybooks.net. I'm here today with Elizabeth Smith, the author of Case Study Houses, 1945 to 1966. The subtitle is The California Impetus. This came out with Tashin in 2016. It is the latest version of this book. It is part of the Toshin Basic Art Series, and it's a new release that we are currently carrying. Smith is executive director of the Helen Frankenthaler Foundation based in New York City. Smith has had a lifelong career in the arts. Previously, she was executive director of curatorial affairs at the Art Gallery of Ontario in Toronto. Before that, she was chief curator for the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago, and she got one of the early starts in her career in Los Angeles, where she was the curator at the Museum of Contemporary Art. She has curated, published, and lectured widely on a variety of topics in contemporary art and architecture. So we're really lucky to have her here today with all of her expertise on modernism. So welcome. Elizabeth. Thank you. Happy to be here. Can you tell me a little bit about our topic for the day, the case study houses, and how you got interested in it? Well, I first got interested in the case study houses while I was a young curator working at the Los Angeles Museum of Contemporary Art, we decided to do an exhibition devoted to the case study houses at the museum. So that set me off on a period of research and development of an exhibition concept that could convey the magnitude of the program in the spaces of a museum facility. And uh, it became a, a really sort of rich and rewarding research project uh, for me over the years. Uh, it led to the exhibition that I mentioned, which took place in 1989 at LA MOCA, and a publication that accompanied that project. Subsequently, I was asked by Tashin to uh, contribute text to a version of a book that would chronicle the case study houses in a, in a different way. And that led to the present publication, which has been um, reprinted a couple of times, I think, since it was first developed. But the case study houses themselves are a very interesting and important chapter in the history of, of modern architecture in the 20th century. They are specific 
to Los Angeles and they're specific to a, a particular um, time as well as place in that they were conceived in the aftermath of World War II. And they were the brainchild of an editor of a magazine called Arts and Architecture that was published out of Los Angeles and had become a kind of progressive voice for all things modern, art, architecture, design, literature, music, et cetera, and even progressive politics. So the case study houses stemmed from the desire of the magazine's editor to create opportunities for young modern architects to build after the end of World War II and to develop a series of prototypical modern homes, ex really experimental designs that he hoped would have a strong impact on public opinion and on the building industry in the aftermath of World War II. Uh, so that's the, that's the case study program in a, in a nutshell. Um, I think you absolutely have to um, consider it uh, as stemming from the pent up needs for new housing, for all of the returning soldiers from the war and for all of the people for whom new housing could not be constructed during World War II. And even prior to that, uh, during the years of the Great Depression, there was a big slowdown in building. And of course, during the war, people really couldn't build for residential purposes. Everything had to be devoted to the war effort. So a lot of young architects were eagerly anticipating what they could do after the war ended to help serve uh, the U.S. population. And they knew, everybody knew that, that there was going to be a big um, uh, development and building. And Antenza, the modern architects, that he uh, was friendly with and whose work he followed and championed and a large variety of the population were all thinking about what should be built, how should people be housed in the years after World War II. So this magazine, if I understand the history of it, took it upon themselves to give an incentive to young upcoming architects to use modern design to address this housing problem and was the idea that they'd provide that incentive through creating a competition in the magazine, promising to publish the plans of these houses? So how exactly did the magazine carry out this experiment? And Tenza took it upon himself to really use the magazine as a platform to announce the Case Study House program. He wrote an editorial that was published in the January 1945 issue in which he uh, spelled out the desires of the program, its goals, and who initially would be involved. And he really saw that the magazine could be a vehicle, not just for publicity for this concept, but also as a way to document the designs in the pages of the magazine over time. And uh, th that continued at Arts and Architecture from you know, January 1945 until the mid-1960s, close to the time when the magazine folded. It really was a, an important way to get the word out at that time. Um, you know, let's not forget, this is the time when, when uh, people worldwide were reading such magazines and anybody interested in modern modernism, modern design, modern art, modern architecture would have known about arts and architecture. Apparently it also over the years developed a very wide following internationally 
And so a lot of people in the UK, for instance, or in Japan or elsewhere around the world became conversant with what was happening with the Case Study House program through the pages of Arts and Architecture. One of the interesting things that Intensa did was to require or request, I should say, not really require, but he, he asked the architects designing houses for the case study program to try to use as many, as many as possible new materials, things that may have been developed for industrial usages to see if they could be applied to residential construction, uh, certain materials that had been uh, refined during wartime, etc. And he knew that in the magazine, they could also advertise these products. So if you scroll through the pages of Arts and Architecture magazine, which is a great pleasure to do even today, you see a number of advertisements for certain uh, materials and products. And it would say merit specified for the case study house program. So it was a way also to get advertising for the magazine. And it was really rather a brilliant initiative on Intensa's part, uh, but it was not without precedent. Around the turn of the century, in the early, early 1900s, the Ladies' Home Journal, for instance, had served as a location where um, low-cost house designs were published. And it was a vehicle to, to get this information out to a number of people who were interested in um, perhaps building their own homes using these designs that, that could be easily replicated. I should mention that in the announcement in 1945, January 1945 for the case study program, Intenza stated, and I'm just gonna quote here, he said that uh, each house must be capable of duplication and in no sense an individual performance. It's important that the best material available be used in the best possible way and general enough to be of practical assistance to the average American in search of a home. So that was a very important part of it as well. And Tenza wished the architects of the program to orient their designs to the average American family. And it's interesting to think about what that meant in 1945, you know, versus what it might mean today. But there was rather an astonishing variety of client types who were used by some of the architects as clients for the homes. In some cases, there were actual clients, you know, that needed and intended to build the homes. And in other cases, the clients were hypothetical particularly in the early years of the program when it really wasn't possible to get much of anything built. So just to set the context of the time and the place and to understand why this experiment took off so quickly, there's essentially pent-up demand for housing, housing that couldn't be built during wartime because of limited resources, the slowdown in the economy, and meanwhile, you have returning veterans who wanted to start families. So there's also increased demand at that time for home ownership for people who needed starter homes. And on top of that, there's been a shortage of materials. And yet the wartime stimulated the development of new materials, new technologies that would make all of this possible. And then there's also on a more artistic and intellectual level, you have these theories of design that visually are going to be very distinctive and different. 
So there's also something creatively that's happening here. Can you talk a little about what the trademarks visually would be for these houses and why the style was so distinctive and different? There was absolutely a a creative community around modernism in Southern California in particular prior to the advent of the case study house program. And I think that is a very significant determinant for the aesthetic character of the buildings that were realized as part of the program. Uh, It's, uh, you know, important to look back and recall that really, you know, very early in the 20th century, you had experimental work being done in the region by architects, including the Green Brothers, who were quite influenced by Japanese architecture. And you had architects like R.M. Schindler and Richard Neutra coming to Los Angeles and bringing their versions of modernism imported from their native uh, European countries. And you had all kinds of experimentation going on. Frank Lloyd Wright designed and built architecture in Los Angeles in the 1920s and 30s. And numerous young architects came up uh, surrounded by the innovations of these individuals and used their examples as stimuli for their own production. So there's a really wonderful array of of young architects at work at the time. And the characteristics, of course, of this modernism are in many respects similar to the international style that came from the impetus of the Bauhaus in Europe or from uh, the Japanese pavilion that was so influential on architects like the Green Brothers. So coming together in California, you you see the emergence of open plans, flat roofs, slab foundations, uh, poured concrete uh, directly onto the earth as a foundation in many respects. You have post and beam architecture, which did away with the need for load bearing walls and created open rooms and the ability to infill the post and beam construction with large panels of glass or of other materials. And in California in particular, with the temperate climate, there was the desire to bring the outdoors in. And of course, in my view, one of the most important and influential examples of that was in the house designed by R.M. Schindler for um, himself uh, and his um, family, uh, the King's Roadhouse. And that was a very radical example of, um, you know, opening up a house to the outdoors to enable the the wonderful California climate to be, you know, part of 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 the living experience to a really pronounced degree. The case study houses, once they started to be designed and built, very much related to and um, depended on the prior examples of what had had come before. And of course, you know, California architects, I should mention, like Harwell Hamilton Harris or John Lautner, Gordon Drake, Gregory Ain, and Schindler, whose name I mentioned previously, had all created important bodies of work before the Case Study House program was even announced. And some of those architects ended up participating in the program, but others didn't. It's interesting because John Intenza himself invited the participants personally. 
So there was no like real logic to it or, or clearly defined rhyme or reason about which architects participated in the program and which didn't. But the houses that came out of the program were, were you know, very, very intimately connected with and related to this, this history of um, the modern aesthetic character that prevailed in LA during you know, several decades in the early and mid 20th century.